0: Awesome. You can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you, Josh, so much for leading us this week. Chad and Erica getting a nice, needed vacation. And I also wanted to point out Jono, this good-looking guy up here with the slick back hair, which I'm very envious of. This is his last Sunday. He's moving to Minnesota, so he's going to be missed. We're so grateful. I know. It's a sad day. So thank you for serving so faithfully here. So... Well, it's good to be with you, and uh, we're going to be diving this morning into a new series in the story of Daniel. As you've maybe noticed, we're camping out a lot in the Old Testament here this summer. We'll dive into some New Testament stuff in the fall, but kind of catching one last story, the story of Daniel for the next about four weeks. And so this morning, starting in, we're going to see in his story that it's a pretty hostile environment that he's in especially towards anybody that has faith or anybody that believes in God. And much like today, you don't have to look very far to notice that we're in an environment, we're in a world that's becoming more and more hostile towards Christ followers. Let's turn on the evening news, whether it's a story of an ISIS mass murder, or whether or not it's the shouts of disdain against our intolerant, Views on same sex marriage were much less tolerated, if you will, than ever before. And I would propose that that's not going to get better in our lifetime. I've read the end of the book, and uh, it doesn't seem to get better uh, before it gets worse. And so, for us to figure out as Christ followers how to engage the world that we're in, how to live set apart, but then the confusing piece of that, maybe you feel the weight of this like I do, is we're not really called to like, live in a commune, a little uh, set-aside village where we all wear white robes and drink Kool-Aid together. Like, that's, that's not what we're called to. We're actually called to infiltrate this world with the love and grace of Jesus Christ. So how do you balance those th- two things of being set apart yet having an impact in the world that we're in? I'd propose in this series that Daniel did a fantastic job of that. He's an excellent example of that. So I think there's a lot that we can learn from his life, how to be set apart and still faithful ambassadors. Before we dive into his story, let me just start our morning in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be together and even talking before the service, the the freedom that we have to worship you. That's not a guarantee, it wasn't a guarantee in Daniel's time, it's not a guarantee in many places of the world today, it's a privilege, so thank you for that opportunity to, to celebrate you here this morning. I pray that you teach us from your word this morning, help stretch our minds, our understanding of, of how we engage the world in which we're placed, God, how we're faithful, where it doesn't become a us versus them mentality, how we're still bringers of grace, of good news, Yet living set apart and holy, God, help us figure out that balance. And you'd maybe even teach us some lessons from the story of Daniel on how to do that effectively. What I know we will see is that when we're faithful, you definitely are. God, so we pray that you'd meet us, that we'd show up this morning with expectation that this isn't a message for the person down the row. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, the story of Daniel is found in a book titled... Daniel. All right, so we can turn there uh, this morning, and we're going to be in Daniel chapter 1. We're not going through the whole book in this series, but picking some primary stories from his life. Uh, chapter 1 of Daniel, so much easier to do this if we're looking at the same text together. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the chair in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, you can take that one with you. Daniel 1 1 is the start of our story. Listen to this. It gives us a little background. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Espharez, or Espenez, His chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish of good appearance and skillful in, in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans." Let me give a little background here of what's going on. This happened about 600 years before Christ showed up here on the earth, before his birth. And what's happening is Israel stuck in this vicious cycle. Basically, this is the cycle. They would come to God, they would be worshiping him, and then they'd gradually kind of wander and stray. Then they would crash and derail. They'd panic, call out to God. God, in his grace and mercy, would bring them back restore them as a nation and then they'd start to slip again crash and the cycle continued over and over for many years thinking about that it's easy to read the old testament and be like man why didn't they get it like what's wrong with these people like what are they what are they morons why do they go back to the same routines but if you think about it isn't that the story of us doing real good spiritually, we're staying with the Lord, we start to kind of get comfortable, start to drift, start to wander, then we crash, then we call out to God, He brings us back. And this cycle that we see in the Old Testament, unfortunately, is our story too often. So that's what's happening for the nation of of Israel. But then notice that that it's King Jehoiakim I was told by an older pastor, if you don't know how to pronounce things, just say it with light, like you know it, and then people won't, won't know the difference. So we're going to just do that with a lot of names here this morning. And uh, Jehoiakim was warned time and time again, saying, if you keep up with this, you're going to crash. It's going to go really poorly for you. In fact, in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was the prophet at that time that kept on going back to Jehoiakim and saying, don't do this, it's going to be, go poorly. Take a look at the warning that he gave. This is found on Jeremiah. You don't have to turn there. We put it on the screen for you. It says this, you have, this, talking to Jehoiakim, this is Jeremiah speaking, you have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear, although the Lord persistently sent to you all his servants, the prophets, saying, Turn now every one of you from his evil way and evil deeds and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers from of old and forever. Do not go after other gods to serve and worship them or provoke me to anger with the work of your hands. Then I will do you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me declares the Lord that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord, and for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all these surrounding nations. Thinking about that warning, could he have been any more specific? Like, honestly, like you, you look at that, you're like, what part of that didn't you get? Like, it wasn't like this great force from the north is going to come and take you. out. He's like, no, King Nebuchadnezzar is going to come and do this to you says, as specific as possible. I find that interesting that he also in that text refers to King Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan king at that time, as his servant, as his servant. He was, that, that doesn't mean because he's worshiping God. He's a servant because basically he does what God moves him to do. And anytime you're confused about who's reigning over all of this, this kind of a verse should be a reminder, hey, guess who's in control of all of this? Sometimes we can watch the news and feel like, man, this is just spiraling out of control. But here, he's given a warning, crystal clear. And what is it? It's, it's, not, real, it's not rocket scientist. He's like, listen, follow me, things are going to go really well. If you wander from me, it's going to go really poorly for you. And basically giving him this caution, trying to think of a parallel and maybe the story works, maybe it doesn't. I was uh, driving this week down Driver Road, I think it was Thursday or Friday, and I came to this, this uh, edge and I'm driving and I see right on the edge, maybe you've had this before, I see a squirrel on the side of the road. And it's kind of looking, it's eyeballing the road, it's kind of guessing whether or not it's got time to make it or not. I was trying to, with like telepathy, like the, the, the squirrel whisperer, I was trying to tell this squirrel, don't do it. Like, stop. I felt like it was in slow motion, but he, he kind of looks back for the edge, looks forward for the road, and I'm going, there's no stopping now. He, he makes a run for it, and guess what? It ended really poorly for Mr. Squirrel. I looked out my rear-view mirror. It was so sad. Well, kind and, uh, and, and of. So, and so Mr. Squirrel's left in the back of the road, and you're like, man, why didn't you, you saw a big red, why didn't you stop? Like, why, why did you go for it? And here, the same thing is true for this king of Israel at that time. Maybe the parallel to a squirrel. But, uh, but the, the king, you're like, Why? didn't you listen so he sees the full gets the full consequence of his choice and it says that the lord gave jehoiakim king of judah into his hand turned him over the consequences of his actions turn it over and then what does nebuchadnezzar do it was pretty typical of that time you'd take the best of the best he takes all the the gold and the things from the from the temple and then not only the gold in the temple but the best of their people too so it's like, I'm going to prime pick the young ones, the ones that are really sharp and good looking. I'm going to bring them to serve back in my kingdom in my, in my, uh, for, for my honor. So he brings them back. He, he, he brings them back and likely it would have been teenagers at that time. Think about that, probably ages 14 to maybe 17. He's bringing them back to, to the kingdom to raise up and to teach them in the, the ways of, of Babylon. We're going to see that this must have been some really well-raised teenagers, some kids that have some, a, a good foundation that had been laid in their life. And I was thinking about that this week with everybody at, at Hume. And we're like, man, we're collectively trying to do the same thing for our youth still thousands of years later. Trying to lay a foundation, setting them up for when the crossroads come so that you can stand. As parents, I'd encourage you to take advantage of our different youth ministries. We do that for a reason. So here we're about to see a crossroad that he comes to. Verse 5 says this, The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. At the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah, he called Shadrach, Mishael, he called Meshach, and Azariah, he called Abednego. Maybe I got those names. That was tricky. And here's the crossroad though. We'll pause there. Whether or not Daniel's going to partake in the forbidden or not. Whether or not he's gonna partake in the forbidden or not. They're in a new land. His parents aren't watching I remember when I first got dropped off at university some years back and that reality sunk in. Wait a second, I'm on my own. I get to do whatever I want. Anybody remember this when you got to college? And I was like, man, I got all kinds of decisions to make and the foundation that been, had been laid, it was really important at that stage. For here, the crossroad that he comes to is a big one. Will he partake of the forbidden or not? Like this quote that the measure of a man is what he would do if he knew he would never be found out. It's a good reminder. We see in Daniel the potential, whether it's being motivated by potential consequences or whether or not you're motivated by your character, who you are. If you think about this, well, the the choice that he was making wasn't a huge decision. You're kind of like, well, it's about eating or not eating. Like, that seems like Not that huge of a deal. We're going to see as as the book progresses that the the crossroads get larger and larger. But by the title of this morning's message, you see that so often it starts with the little choices first. Starts with the little choices first. The stands you take today will determine the stands you take tomorrow. Maybe some of our senior adults here can say yes, that with with confidence. Yes, I remember some choices I made and it's redirected, it's changed. If I would have stayed down that course, it would have really gone poorly. Likewise, not just the stands we make, but also the compromises you make today will determine the compromises you make tomorrow. See, it's a slippery slope. When we make compromises, maybe you've experienced this, and the little stuff, all of a sudden, it tends to escalate, right? Before you know it, you're like, man, it just started as one little choice, and before you know it, it snowballs, and you're like, how in the world did I get here? This is maybe a small example. My wife and I were on uh, vacation with my family a few weeks back, and we were on the Jersey coast, and we were going down the boardwalk, and the boardwalk there in Ocean City, New Jersey, has tons of food places, tons of snacks, ice cream, Polish ice, the mac and Manko pizza that had all these fantastic options of bad food. There really wasn't any healthy options on the boardwalk, I'm pretty sure. And so we would go, and I noticed in my life, like, I usually eat pretty consistently, fairly healthy, but I noticed, like, one snack... Led us two snacks. Day three, I'm double fisting snacks. I'm like, I, I mean, anybody else do this on vacation? It's crazy to watch. And you, and you get on the scale when you get back and you're like, what happened? Like, what, where, did that, where did that go? Like, because it cycles, it snowballs. And so it is with bigger decisions as well in our life. That cycle can take us to some pretty dark places. It starts with little decisions. So why couldn't he eat? Why couldn't he partake? Why is it such a big deal? First off, most likely, was this violated the dietary rules of the nation of Israel that he had grown up with, what he was familiar with, what God had laid out for them. It would have opposed those directly. So that's the first, the obvious. But then second, most likely in that time, food that was used in the king's house had been dedicated or or sacrificed before the gods of that time. So it's kind of a double whammy, a double reason why he's like, man, I I can't do this. I can't partake. It's a crossroad that he came to and I imagine there was a lot of pressure. Do you think it was easy for him to say like, you know what, I don't think I'm gonna do this. I don't think I'm gonna eat like a king. You know, the like guys there must have been like, wait a second, don't you know what happened to your, your Uncle Tony and, and Frank? You, you, you know, didn't you see how they got m- murdered just a week ago and you're, you're left living? First off, you're having to be forced to eat the king's food? Like, really? And you're not going to partake? Are you kidding me? I imagine there's quite a bit of trash talking there in the, in the palace, and not to mention, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't somebody that you necessarily wanted to mess with. I was reading another story about the king, and as he was taking over another king in the Old Testament by the name of Zedekiah, he fir- after he captured King Zedekiah, he forced the king to watch as he murdered his two sons, and then gouged out the king's eyes so that it would be the last thing that he ever remembered seeing. Like, that's pretty twisted. So this, this wasn't like some soft, wimpy king. It was a, it was a tyrant in that time. And so Daniel's a, a lot at stake here. But we see in the next section, verse, starting in verse 8, that he resolved to live differently. It says this, it says, "...but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself." And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs, and the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, "I fear my Lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink, for why should should he see that you are in a worse condition than the youths who are of your own age, so you would, you would endanger my head, <laughs> I like that with the king." Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel. Hananiah, Meshach, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let your appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you, and deal with your servants according to what you see. Let's let's look at this. The first two or three words of this really set the stage for it. Really critical and powerful words. Daniel resolved. Daniel resolved like Peter and the apostles in Acts 5 29 we must obey God rather than man Daniel resolved in other words he decided in his mind even before the situation came I'm not budging this is the line that I'm drawing I'm not changing on this I'm not wavering I'm not concerned about the consequences because when someone's resolved to something it changes everything you got to ask your question, why? you got to ask your question, why? When you first look at this, I was thinking about it. I was like, based on what his experience has been, would he have thought like, oh yeah, I've got this God that's so faithful to me? His conclusion, likely after he's taken from his homeland, must have been like, wait, where was God in all of this? Yet still, Daniel resolved. So often we rationalize our behavior by our current feelings about God. We rationalize our behavior by our current feelings about God. Well, oh, I just feel like he's so distant in my life and, and I haven't even seen his, his fingerprints on anything for a really long time. We begin to rationalize because of how we currently feel about God. That's not what Daniel did. He took a stand. He went organic, if you will. And look in verse 9 what happened. I love this. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs let's do a little word study this week on on the word favor it's a fascinating theme that runs throughout the pages of uh, of scripture all the way through the old testament even into the new testament it's not something you can necessarily describe other than somebody has it or they don't you can't necessarily explain it but it's throughout it's used 140 times in scripture used to describe noah to describe joseph to describe Moses, Moses, Ruth, Samuel, David, Naaman, Esther, Job, Solomon, Daniel, later on to be used to describe Jesus. Like you think about this thing, favor. It's a a fascinating theme throughout Scripture that God chooses to give people favor. I would propose that it's a healthy thing to even ask for in our prayers to say, God, give me favor. Give me favor in the workplace. Give me favor with my neighbors. Give me favor with, in, in this environment at the gym. Give me favor here. Give me favor there. Asking the Lord to give you favor because you see what happens in scripture is when God's favor is on somebody, man, there's some powerful things that can happen. It's a beautiful picture. It's one of the things Adrian, and I, I can, Adrian can attest even when we showed up here. We just prayed, God, give us favor in this community. Give us favor. And God did. He gave it to Daniel and it changed everything. Daniel makes this request. I love the the eunuch's threat. At first, he's like, I don't know about this. My head's on the line. And he's like, I don't know. Think of what I had to do to get this job. you will get that one later. But uh, here, you think about for you and ourselves, what were some of the resolves, what were some of the resolves that we need to make? What are some of the things that you need to draw the line on and say, you know what? I'm not crossing this line. I don't don't care if it's the cultural norm. I don't care if everybody else is heading that direction. For high school students, for college age, for adults, for everybody. We have to make some choices in a culture that's headed the exact opposite direction as us as to where we're going to resolve, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I'll share one of my convictions. I was convicted over the last number of years watching the progression of lyrics of music on the radio digress. Anybody noticed that over the years? And over, I started paying attention to some of the songs I'd hear playing on the radio, and I, I'm listening to that, and I'm like, I can't sing along with that. Like, I can't, I, it, it's no longer the Beach Boys, you know, singing about good vibrations. Maybe that was bad too, but, uh, but e- e- either way, like, 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 if you think about it, things have progressed. I was in the gym the other day on the rowing machine. I'm watching the TV. I didn't have earphones or anything. And they had one of the morning shows going on and they had a guest artist. I don't even know who it was. I didn't even recognize. And instead of hearing this, this woman sing, it just had the lyrics posted across the bottom like they do on the, those machines. And it's just showing everything she's saying. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what is she saying? Like what deprived mind wrote those lyrics? And so, a depraved mind, I was like, what in the world? I can't partake in that. So, for the last three years now, about, like, I've just resolved, and I'm not saying you have to do this, but maybe a healthy thing to wrestle through, I've resolved, you know what, I'm just going to do worship stuff in our house. I'm just going to do, do that, Christian music, and, and listen to, to Air One Radio, and I know they play the same five songs, but I like those five songs, like... <laughs> Uh, they're they're good songs, you know. And so we started like in our in our house. We're like li- listening to Air One when we're driving, and, and starting to see it around the house on our iPods, and just seeing that change. And you know what, Where the payoff has been, even though some people are like, "Man, aren't you being kind of uptight, kind of kind of weird?" You're what? Are you a pastor or something? And uh, <laughs> and, and and so, but you know what the payoff was? I even saw it this morning. We drove in together. Adrian can attest that. I I hear all. We got Air One blazing. You got some some song by. Hillsong United playing, and and uh, and he got all three kids singing every single lyric. They know everyone. They're worshiping. You look back, you hear little Sienna's voice, little Alexa's voice. You know because that that crossroads where you where you come to that, and you're you know I, I'm going to resolve, I'm going to live different. Try to live different, set apart. A lot of times we we get given a hard time because of holiness. People are like, man, aren't you aren't you too uh, uptight? And you're like, no, I'm just just trying to be like Christ. He calls us to live. Set apart. So anyway, that's an example of a resolve. Daniel's was a, a, a big deal. It started with the little choices. I love that he had in his situation that he didn't have to do it alone. He had some buddies to do it with. I appreciate that about the body of Christ. Then what we see is pretty fascinating in verse for, Verse 14 is that when he chose to make a resolve in these, this smaller area of not to eat like a king, he made, he made this resolve, then all of a sudden God responds with extreme faithfulness. He proves to be faithful. Take a look in verse 14. It says, So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh. I like that. Then all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, the three years, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Haniah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus." A lot going on there. You think about it, I was, I was reflecting on this. This is really the first fitness competition in the Bible. You see, you see this is a, a faithful uh, God is in this in a number of different ways. The first thing that you notice, what does it say in verse 14? So he listened. So he listened. That's basically saying the, that the, the servant that was above him, that had his, his life on the line, decided to listen to this request. Do you think maybe God had some movement in that when it was something that he had nothing to gain from it? So he listened to him. Remember, God holds the heart of kings in his hands. So he listened to them. They, they had this contest. The, the 10 days went on, the fitness contest. And at the end of the 10 days, that had to be brought together and see, all right, how do they all look? I'm picturing Arnold Schwarzenegger on the side, marking, judging on this or whatever. I don't know. But I think in that time, one of the things that they assessed on was, was body weight. And one of the things that they celebrated that if you're a little more plump, anybody for that age and time a little bit more? But here's the thing that I found was fascinating. That he, after eating vegetables for 10 days, he was fatter, fatter. Do you see that in the text? How many of you have found when you eat more vegetables that you get fatter? Anybody support that idea? Like what in the the world? Like God changed the entire makeup of how a body responds to food. When I eat more vegetables, I don't, I, don't, I don't pack on a few, I lose a few. When I, when I don't eat vegetables and I stick with ho-hos, like I, I pack it on. He changed the way things worked. He changed the way things worked. It's fascinating. God intervened. Anyone else wish that that same thing remained? You're like, yeah, I got to cut back on the vegetables. You know, I'm, I'm putting on a few. But no, he didn't. And here's the other thing that we see is God also, not only did he cause the man to listen, not only did he make vegetables, make this guy fatter, he also says that God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom. God gave him supernatural understanding, something that couldn't be explained by just the norm, why, why he was excelling, why these buddies were all excelling like none of the other guys under the care there. It's unbelievable. God said, you know what? I'm just gonna pour out my blessing on it because Daniel decided to what? Take a little stand about food, saying I'm not gonna partake with that because I don't wanna defile myself. So God blessed him. God used him. God gave him favor And then at the end, it says that at the end of the three years, he finally had a chance to go before the king. Wouldn't that be interesting for those three years of just waiting and waiting? How's God going to provide? So often for us, it's about being faithful, even in that long period of time. God's sovereignty is evident in every circumstance. We just need to look for it. Truth is, sometimes it's not immediate though. Sometimes you're like, all right, right now I just feel like I'm in that season of just being faithful, doing the right stuff, waiting for the results to pan out. This is a great reminder that God chooses when we're faithful to bless, to honor them. At the end of the three years... The conclusion after the king brings them before. Do you think that was a pretty intense scene? Like having to stand before this tyrant king and, like, okay, let's see what you got. Let's see how smart you are. You know, like I, he starts quizzing them with, with question after question. And what proves to happen there is it proves, what does it say? That he's not just a little bit more, more intelligent. He found them not a little better, but 10 times better. I don't know how you assess that, like, but, but either way, like, that's, that's pretty crazy to think after this. All these guys, I think it was probably a pretty competitive field there. All of a sudden, they're just like, man, these guys are so much smarter. They're 10 times smarter. And God gave them favor in that area because he took a stand. The very last verse there, 21, says, And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Be easy to, to breeze past that if you don't do a little looking into it. But King Cyrus didn't come on the scene for another sixty-five years. So imagine if he at age fifteen is making this decision, and now at age eighty, God's faithfulness is still evident. God's favor is still upon him. He's still there in this 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 high ranking position. We'll see more about that in the weeks to come. But one theme throughout for sure here is that God proves to be faithful when we take a stand. My question, just trying to bring this home and bring this back to us of application, is my question is, what stands do we need to make? If you try to, try to relate this to your life right now, what are, some, what are some crossroads that you're at? What are some stands, what are some resolves that need to happen in your life? Maybe it's your resolve to you know what? I'm going to work on rebuilding my marriage. I'm not content with where it's at. I'm not happy with that. I want to, I want to invest in this primary relationship. Maybe that's your resolve. Maybe it's taking the first step in mending a, a family feud or a broken relationship. You're like, ah, you, you've been digging in your heels and you're like, I'm not doing anything until they, whatever. Maybe the resolve is today that you're like, no, I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to make the phone call. And send the email. I'm going I'm to be the, the bigger man, bigger woman, greater man, greater woman in this. Maybe it's removing yourself from unethical business practices. Maybe you've partnered with the wrong people. Maybe you've gotten in the, in the wrong partnerships, whatever it might be. And you're like, you know what? I need to back out of this. I need, I need to head the other direction. I need a resolve in that area. Maybe getting the right numbers on your taxes this year, maybe committing to a tithe. Maybe letting coworkers know you're a Christ follower. Maybe you've been a secret agent too long. Drawing lines on TV and technology consumption for your kids and for yourself. Maybe that's a new resolve. You're like, man, I'm just giving too much of my time to this. Setting better boundaries on entertainment, music, movies. Maybe that's the resolve. I don't know what it is for each one of us, but I'd love for this to not just be another message on the uh, mile-high pile of messages that we've heard, but it's actually a day that you're saying, you know what? I want to see this pattern in my life. I want to hit crossroads of of little decisions. I want to make a a resolve. I want to make a choice, and I want to see God's favor and blessing in my life because of it. He warned the king collectively. He's like, listen, you keep doing what I'm telling you to do, things are going to go really well. I'm going to let you stay in the land, things are going to go great, but you disobey me, you wander from me. It's the, the cause and effect thing. It's true in Scripture. We talked about it about a month ago with Bill here, the, the, the principle of the harvest. Do you remember that? Cause and effect. The actions we have have actual consequence or, or positive things that come from it. Wonderful example that Daniel sets for us wonderful example and a great reminder. Guess what? The God that he was serving back then that he's standing up for, still the same God today. God's the same. He doesn't change. He's not, he's not a new God. It's like, well, that's how I used to operate. No, it's the same God. Now granted, we've got the, the wonderful news of the gospel of Jesus Christ we add into the mix here, which only makes things better on our account. But here's the, the, the truth is, God still honors when we take a stand on his behalf. Old Testament, New Testament, period. It's a great reminder for us to be set apart but still have an impact. It wasn't like that we're going to see in the the weeks to come. It wasn't like the kingdom was just like, man, this guy's a a crazy pants. At first they might have thought that. But then we're going to see an entire nation, a, a, a king worshiping him because of his faithfulness. Starts with the small choices, right? Let me pray. God, I thank you this morning for this text and this reminder of these crossroads that each one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we can look back to, we can currently look to, we can look to times that we blew it, we can look to times where we got it right. God, I thank you for your grace that allows every morning as a fresh opportunity for new resolve to be convicted by your holy spirit for that nudge to finally take root and us to respond pray for us god just in the having strength i love that you provide the strength but you you don't do it for us still give us a choice how we respond pray that we'd be men and, and women here of resolve that we'd be set apart but not versus not against still be doing a great job of being ambassadors, representing you with your love and grace. Know that we can only do any of this in your strength. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ this morning. By his blood, we're here and are able to celebrate and praise you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks so much for coming. After the service here, we have the taste of serving. If you want to peek your head in there for a few minutes and pray you have a wonderful week in the Lord. Be careful on your drive home for squirrels, okay? God bless.